We know because we read it in God's Word that God reveals His inner nature, His essence, who He is, as love. Now, there are lots of attributes about God, right? He's good, He's merciful, He's all-powerful, He's beautiful, all of those things, but who He is is as love. And we know that love is something which by its very nature isn't meant for itself, is it? It's something which goes beyond the self. It gives. And so, it's interesting to think that God from all eternity, right, always is, always was, and always will be. But did God have anyone to give His love to, right? If love by its very nature gives that means that there has to be a receiver of that gift. And so God begins in time all of creation. Right? Think about everything that is and ever will be, that ever has been, has been there precisely because God wanted it. And that was a sign of His love, everything in all of creation. But yet, out of all of the amazing and beautiful things on this earth, all of those beautiful and amazing things in creation, right? He wanted a being that would be most like Him. And so, He created Adam, right? Out of all of the things in creation, the only one with an intellect, right? What a tremendous gift. But yet, He makes Adam and says, it is not good for man to be alone, right? It's not good for man to be alone. And so, the book of Genesis, that book of beginnings, talks about how Eve was created from Adam, right? Again, what a tremendous gift. That very first moment of creation of man in which one become two, and then two become one. Now, that means that there's something about marriage and about the union of man and wife, which is there from the first beginning of the human story, right? From the very first thing. That means it's important. St. John Paul II called marriage the primordial sacrament, right? It's the only one of the seven sacraments to actually exist before Jesus came in the flesh, right? The only one of all seven of them. Now, we know when you read through the Old Testament that people got married to each other, and they got unmarried to each other, right, constantly, right? And we know that the people of Israel, sometimes they loved God with their whole mind and their whole heart and their whole strength, and then sometimes they found that very difficult, right? And they messed up, and it was hard. And lots of disorder came into creation, into human relationships because of that. And so, when our Lord Jesus Christ comes on the scene, He says, in the beginning it wasn't so. And so, He takes something which was a good, natural contract between man and wife and makes it into something more. He elevates it into something supernatural a covenant, right? He could have chosen any number of ways to show that He is love, right? He could have written us a really beautiful love letter 
And that's kind of what the Bible is, right? It's a whole library of love letters from God. He could have done any number of ways to show something about that, but what he did was he took the beautiful love between man and wife and made it into a vehicle to show the love of God, right? He didn't have to do that, but he did. And the children of Israel were like, wait a minute, hold up. This is, I don't know if we can do this, right? But where God is present, right, then we know that the love between a man and wife lived in that certain way, right, is a sign of the irrevocable love of God. When we read the Scriptures, we read sometimes even in books like the Song of Songs that our God does not think twice about describing His love for us in a way in which we can understand through the love of marriage, right? He doesn't shy away from that at all. Now, of course, couples now, as you know, you know, can come to pledge their love to each other in all kinds of different ways, right? It's football season, right? You could easily do this in a stadium at halftime, right? You could have done that, right? People go hang gliding, they go to Elvis chapels. There's all kinds of very creative ways in which people do these things nowadays. Now, for those of us who are of the Christian faith, right, those of us who are Catholics, then we have this sense, well, you know, God should be involved somehow, right? Okay. And there's many ways in which people try to do that as well. But for Catholics, there's something really kind of beautiful and amazing, but also pretty terrifying about the sacrament of marriage. Stephen and Donna, you've known each other for a while. You know, you both had incredible journeys of how God has worked through your life to bring you to this place. And again, you could have chosen all kinds of ways to do this, right? But I want you to think about something, and I don't want to freak you out right before you say, I do, but you're getting married at the base of Calvary, the base of Calvary, You're getting married at the foot of an altar which leads to the cross, and you're embracing the cross today. But I want you to look at that cross, what's so beautiful and amazing about it. On that cross, we have Jesus who's there, not because He's still dead, right? He's risen, and He's waiting, preparing a place for us for all eternity in heaven. So why would we put on the altar the figure of the dead Christ? and then say, hey, Mary, couples, you love each other so much, let's put you right in front of that dead guy on the cross, right? Seems very strange, doesn't it? Seems like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the church is a very wise mother because we see that our Lord on the cross has His arms extended all the way, embracing all of us. And what held Him to the cross was not nails, but love. Jesus, being God, was all-powerful. He could have said, these nails hurt. The spear in my side, they hurt. I don't want this suffering. Make an end. But He stays there, and He stays there until He gives the very last drop of blood, right? Everything that He had, even down to His last breath, He gives, And so, marriage in our Catholic tradition is learning how to give entirely of the self. 
And that's not easy. How many of you who are here in church today are or ever have been married? Okay. How many of you who are in church ever made a promise of celibacy before a bishop at ordination? Okay. I'm outnumbered, right? I'm totally outnumbered here. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That God calls us to these different states precisely because they complement one another. And that, that pouring out of self, whether it be through the gift of celibacy or through the gift of marriage, is always going to be the same. You know, sometimes, you know, I have couples that they'll come to me to prepare for marriage, and I'll say, so tell me a little bit about what you think marriage is, right? And it's wonderful, right? They give me all kinds of very interesting factoids about what they think marriage is, and I listen very patiently. And usually sometime in the conversation, I hear something around the lines of, well, you know, Father, it's a 50-50 partnership, right? And I say, well, here's the divorce papers. They look at me horrified, right? They're like, Father, how could you say something like that? It's like, no, no. You're equal before God, right? And never forget that, right? But it's something which requires the total gift of self. Now, the world that we live in, we know there's a lot of distractions about marriage and family life. It's always been hard, because it's always hard just to be a human being in this fallen world, right? But particularly now, it's rough, it's difficult. Yeah. We have members of our own parish family who, you know, have had difficulties in their marriages. It's not easy. And it's important for us to recognize that fact and to embrace them with our love and our support through those things, because it's difficult. But we know that God is all-powerful even through those things. And if His love is stronger than death, right, then it's stronger than anything that the world has to show us. And so that's why the church has remained solid in its understanding of this incredible sacrament. Why? Because we need love, right? We need more love in the world. We need the love that conquers all things. We need the love that's stronger than anything that the world has to give. We need love that's stronger than death itself. And we learn that from the cross of Jesus. By self-gift, we go through that all the way to resurrection. And that means that each one of us, in our own way, right, whether we're called to the single life, whether we're called to married life, whether we're called to consecrated celibacy, right, are called to self-gift. And in doing so, that is where we can find that peace that is beyond all understanding, even when life throws us everything that it throws particularly at those who enter into this beautiful state of marriage. And so today, we have this beautiful opportunity as a community of faith to welcome two of our own, right, to watch as they do this very heroic act. And it is a heroic act of faith. You know, you guys have no idea what's going to happen two minutes after the wedding, right? So. It could be a fairy tale story that people will write about for generations to come, and it could be filled with thorns, and it could be filled with 
things and obstacles in your path. But you know what? God's got this, and He's got it in you if you let Him. And so I now ask you to come to the altar of God, to God who is the joy of your youth and mine.